so I'm excited about uh, our time together. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12. If, uh, if you didn't bring a copy of Scripture, uh, there, there should be a Bible close by you in the pew. Uh, you can grab that Bible and we'll be on page 1169. Um, but we'll be in Mark chapter 12. So uh, just thinking about uh, the graduates, and uh, this will be uh, hopefully be an encouragement and a challenge to them, but also an encouragement and a challenge to, uh, to all of us this morning. But uh, the graduates are entering into a new season of life. And, uh, you know, and not only the, the graduates, but uh, the parents are entering into a new season of life. I know uh, for some of the families, this is the oldest child, and other families, it's the youngest child. And it's like all these different emotions and just trying to figure out how to navigate and move forward in this, this new season of life. But there's, there's going to be, uh, there already is, there's, there's this, this idea of excitement, but there's also... Um, you know, there's some nervousness that comes along with this new season and where we are. There, there's some, some sadness. As you looked at those pictures uh, up on the screen as they came up, like there's part of us, like we're like, golly, it just kind of tugs at our heart just to remember that, hey, they were, they were one day, we were holding them in our arms, and then today we're celebrating all that they've accomplished, uh, you know. And, and so like, and there's like just this feeling of being unsure of like, okay, well, I think I know, but I'm not really sure. I'm making the right decision and moving ahead head in the right direction. Like, there's all these different emotions and feelings that are going on. But the truth is, if we're, uh, if we're honest, uh, we're all in this constant state of change. Like, things are constantly changing in our lives. And so, um, you know, I was, I don't know if you've, you noticed or not, I didn't pick up on it whenever I. Uh, Whenever I came in here and Steve was up on the, the stage and they were practicing. And so he's got a, uh, he's got a shirt that says, well, not just him, but evidently all these leaders thought it would be a great idea to get shirts made. Uh, and on the front it says, Brad, and it's the farewell tour, right? And then on the back it says, Chandler coming in hot. The great thing is, is same head, same face, like it's the same because, you know, Chandler and I are pretty much the same except 25 years difference. But other than that, we're, we're pretty much the same. But um, it, like there's this constant state of change. And so um, things are changing for our church. Things are changing for the student ministry. Uh, I was talking to the students whenever we started talking about this idea of bringing Chandler on and hiring a new youth pastor and me stepping into the role of associate pastor. And, uh, and so I, like I was having a conversation with the students and, you know, rightfully so I told you guys from the beginning that I, it was kind of bittersweet for me right that uh, like I knew God was calling me to this new season but I love the students so much and I can remember talking to them that Wednesday night following uh as the following that Sunday that we had we had let you guys know where we were where we were headed and uh it dawned on me that like wait a minute every year y'all leave me like we sell it like Hold on, like, wait a minute, like, every year. So we celebrate, you know, like these Timothy Award winners. There's a group of, of sixth grade students that are about to enter the seventh grade in two weeks. We're going to, we're going to bring them up into the student ministry, right? And they're going to launch that. And, and uh, just last week, Chandler and I, we both met with the parents of the upcoming seventh graders. Uh, today, there's, uh, there's this, uh, there'll be a meeting. Siobhan, our children's director, is going to meet with the parents that are moving up into uh, the kids zone from the preschool area but eventually 
everybody stands on the stage, and I told them that night, I said, y'all leave me snot bubbling every time. I'm just telling you, man, it's like you come in, we, we develop these deep, meaningful relationships, and then you go, right? But that's the, that's the point. Like, we want to go. Like, we want to, we're sending them out to make a, an impact on, uh, on the world, and so, you know, for whatever stage of life that we find ourselves in, some of you, you just recently are dropping children off in the nursery. Some of you are, are new grandparents. Some of you have been grand. But the point is, is like things are always, things are always changing. Now, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be a downer this morning, but I want to share a statistic with you um, that may be shocking for some of you. Now, for the students in the room, this statistic is not going to be shocking. But for some of you, it is. And I think it's important that we have this conversation because um, it's important to what we're going to be talking about this morning. So here's my question for you, and I won't put this up for you to, to see the answer just yet, but I want you to think about this. And again, if you're a youth leader or maybe a parent of a teenager, this won't be the first time you've heard this. But I'm just curious. if you roll, Let it roll around in your head for just a minute. If I asked you what percentage of students will walk away from the church after graduating high school, what do you think the answer to that question would be? I mean, you think 25%, 50%, more than 50%, 66% of students will walk away from the church after graduating high school. 66%. If you have your listening guide, that's the first, uh, first blank on your, on your listening guide. If you didn't get one, you can grab one from the, the center, one of the aisles here at the giving stations. But So that's kind of a, that's a staggering thought, 66%. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. Uh, every year after, uh, after the students graduate, every year when we get one of these cards, I place this card uh, on my desk in my office so that every day that I come to work, I look at these faces. Like I want to see their faces as a reminder to, uh, to pray for them, as a reminder to check on them throughout the year. Like this is, a, this is a good reminder. That's why I told you guys, like it's important. Have one of these. Not, this isn't just for you to say, oh, look at them. That's cute. Like it's important. It's important. And so like I look at these cards. And so what I did is uh, for every year, that I mean, as far as I can remember, We've had these made. And so for the past 12 years, as I've been student pastor at this church, we had one of these made. And I've saved every one. And so this past week, I, uh, I pulled them out. And I just, started looking, I just started looking at the students. And I started saying, okay, well, if 66% of students will, will walk away from the church after graduating. Now, let me say this. That initially, yes. Now, somewhere around half of those will eventually come back when life falls apart, when your way doesn't work. When you begin to have a family of your own, you realize, huh, wait a minute, I know where to go, right? And so, so it's not just that, hey, they leave and they never come back. About half of those will come back. But the point is, is that 66% will. And, and so I pulled it out and I just started, I started looking. Now, um, you know, this isn't a pat on the back to our church. We're st statistically a little better than the norm. But still, as I looked across every single one of the cards, it was over half. It was over half, 66%, two out of three, right? The ones, as I looked back over the cards over the years, I, I, the ones who were, 
were still involved in church were really involved and they were loving the Lord and serving him and doing fantastic things and so like I just then that begs the question okay well well why why do you think that's true why is that statistic so why is that so high and I think there's a lot of reasons uh, I know there are a lot of reasons, but I think it's more important to learn um, to learn from the things that are that are true in the lives of those who stayed. Does that make sense? Hey, what's what's missing in those that left? Like, what are the what are the things that are present in the lives of the ones who stayed? And let's make sure that we're doing a good job at those at those things. And again, there's, there's many reasons. You know, one of the things, and it was mentioned in those videos that you just saw, it's like one of the, one of the reasons, one of the things that's present in lives of those who are, remain in the church is powerful relationships in a, with adults. So powerful relationships, like it's important. It's important. I don't know if you remember, if you were here a couple weeks ago when we did baptism, Thomas, uh, Thomas was talking about Papa Steve. I don't know if you remember that. He's talking about what he was learning and how he was being changed. So from, from the very beginning, like we are very intentional as a church in developing deep, meaningful relationships between children. This isn't, doesn't start, just start taking place when they hit the student ministry, but like from the very beginning, we want to develop these deep, meaningful relationships, whether it's in the preschool area. And it's an opportunity for us to just invest and build relationships or whether it's in the kid zone. You, you, you hear the impact that Awana is having on our, our children. Like we get to serve and invest in lives as they come up into the, the student ministry. And like all these things, like the, the power of adults and the, the opportunity that we get to invest in kids. Uh, everyday influences is another impact. The people that we spend time around, the people that our kids spend time around, like it matters. Proverbs 13.20, this won't be on the screen, but Proverbs 13.20, He who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Like it is important, who our, who, not just who our kids hang around, but who we hang around. It's important. Bible engagement is another thing that's key in those who remain. And so like not just in being engaged on Sunday, church attendance was one of the things that was, but We'll talk about this more in just a minute because I think that we're, we've set the bar too low. But church attendance is important. But not just Bible engagement on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. But like this consistency of growing a love for God's word and spending time with him in it. That's, that's important. Those things are continue to be important. And then engaging in student ministry. I mean, not just student ministry, but being engaged in ministry. I tell uh, I tell students this all the time. There is no JV Christianity. And you're not, you're not in JV when you're a teenager, and then you make varsity when you hit adulthood. That's not, how, that's not how it works. A child of God is a child of God, and everything that's true for a child of God is true for you no matter what age that you are. And, and so, like, we're called to be engaged in kingdom work. And so these things are all... These are all present. But then, like, what's the goal? Is our goal, because like I said a while ago, is our goal just to, just to be a faithful church attender? Is that the goal, that our kids would just be in church after graduating high school? Is that it? Yeah. 
It's more than that. And, and so when I, when I look at this and I think about this statistic and I think God wants more for us than to just be church attenders. So the next, next blank on your slide. We need to focus on both becoming and growing healthy kingdom citizens. We need to focus on becoming and growing healthy kingdom citizens. And so that's, that's for each one of us. So if you're, if you're one of the graduates, it's true for you. If you're a senior adult in the room, that's true for you. We need to, we need to be growing as ki- healthy kingdom citizens, as children of God, and we need to also be growing others. We need to be discipling people. We need to be helping, right? You, 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 if you're not serving in some type of, of way, investing in the lives of these kids as they grow up in this fellowship, in this family, like you're missing out. And you're disregarding the commands that we see in Scripture. And so it's not just, it's not just faithful church attenders that we want. We, but I do think that this indicates something that's deeper. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus makes this statement. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and be good at church attenders. Right? Isn't that what it says? Oh, no, that's not what it says. That they would have life and have it abundantly. So there's more to, now listen, being in church is an indicator of something deeper that's going on within us. If we have a heart to be involved and in in community with other believers, that tells something about what's going on inside of us. But the point is, is that it's not just because I think for a lot of people, uh, for a lot of people, what we've done is we've lowered the standard and we've, we've equated Christianity with I attend church on Sunday morning. And, And it is so much more than that. It is so much more than that. He's called us to live this life. And he's, he's given us something, life and life more abundantly. And so he desires something more for us than just church attendance. And, and here's the thing. I don't want to be a downer this morning. You know, I feel like we can throw that statistic out and we can be like, okay, well, okay. Like, congratulations, graduates. Now go change the world. You, you know what I mean? It's like, but we would be foolish not to acknowledge this truth. I mean, we'd be foolish not to, as a church, to look in the mirror every single day that we get up and we invest in the lives of the kids that God's entrusted to us. And not only that, like, we've got to look in the mirror of, our, of ourselves. Because I think that, here's what I think. I don't think that students who graduate, like they go off to college and something changes. I think it reveals something that was there all along. Okay? And so I don't think that, like, hey, uh, you know, kids go off and then something changes. And, and so I believe that to be true. And that's where we're going to focus our time this morning, having a conversation. Because I don't think it's just true uh, in teenagers. I think it's true uh, for the church as a whole. And so w- what we can do is we can look at the statistic and we can, we can look and realize, okay, we can learn from this. And, you know, my, my goal is for, and the challenge for the graduates whom I love. Every one of these students, I, I deeply love them. I think of all the mission trips that we've been on together. I think of all the, just all, man, there's all the things that we've done over the course of their time in student ministry. Like, my goal is to help you as you move into this new season of life. Like, we've done everything that we can to equip you in your time in student ministry. But as you leave and you launch from here, 
Like the goal in our time this morning is to help, to help you. To help you. All right? So Mark chapter 12. Mark 12, verse 28. Verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? So understand that, and I think a lot of times we read this and we're just like, well, you know, he's asking this question, he's testing Jesus. He's, but this is a very common question that would be asked in this time. And so a lot of the religious leaders, they would come together and they would look at all the, the laws, over 600 laws of the Old Testament, and then they would have these debates and these discussions as to which, uh, which one was the most important. And so this, this, uh, this religious leader comes to, comes to Jesus And he asked this question. He says, which commandment is the most important of all? Verse 29. And Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so he begins this answer um, referring back to the Shema, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? And he's about to point back to a passage of Scripture, this command that every single person would know. that They would recite it oftentimes multiple times a day. And so he points back and he says in verse 30, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher, for uh, you have truly said that he is one and that there is no, no other besides him. And to love him with all our heart and with all the understanding And with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offering and sacrifices. You see what he did there? It's like it's it's so much more than just attending church. It's so much more than just going through the traditions. It's so much more than that. In verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he had answered him wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Let's pray as we dive into this, this passage. God, thank you, for, um, thank you for the words of Christ here. And I, I pray that in our time together that you would just open our hearts and open our minds um, to the things that you would have us to see, God. God, show us um, where we're holding back, God. Teach us more about your nature and your character so that we might respond rightly. And so we humbly submit ourselves before your word. We humbly submit ourselves before you and asking this time that your Holy Spirit would do what only you can do. Amen. Amen. All right. So next, next blank on, uh, on your handout. Jesus made love the most important thing in life. So when Jesus makes this statement, it's crystal clear. It's, it's love that he's talking about. He's talking about specifically about a love of God and, and a love of others. But understand something. It's not just love God and love people. And, and a lot of times I think we shrink it down and it makes it, you know, marketable, right? And so, like, we remind ourselves. And so, like, sometimes we can get so caught up in, in all the other things and we need to be reminded about, we need to come back to the center of what's the most important thing to God. And so we'll center around, like, love God and love people. And that's extremely important, but it's more than that. It's more than that. And what Jesus is saying is we are to be all in on who and how we love. 
We are to be all in on who and how we love. And so in this passage, if you look at uh, verse 30, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so he makes it clear that we're to love God and we're to love people, but there's a specific way in which we are to love. The key word here is a three-letter word. All. So it's, it's love God and it's love people, but it's with everything that we, with everything that we are. See, we aren't to love God and people according to our own standards. Okay, that's important for us. As we define love, as we set that out, like that it's more than that. That God has called us not just to love him the same way that we love other things or other people, but we are to love him with everything that we are. And we're to love people in the same, in the same way. And I believe that, that one of the reasons why this is true is because the next blank on your slide is we, we pursue the things that we love with all our heart. That is true for every single person in this room, that we pursue the things that we love with all our heart. I want you to just think about, um, I was thinking this week as I was preparing and just thinking about um, some of the examples of this. And so for maybe some of you in the room, like that's your spouse. I mean, think back to when they weren't your spouse. You pursued them, right, with, with everything. Nobody had to try to talk you into that. Like, we just naturally pursue the things that we love. Maybe that's your, your children. You know, for some of the parents in this, in this room that had graduates up here on the stage, like, like we pursue the things that we love. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a friendship. Maybe it's a career that we love, and so we pursue. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a a sport that we love. Maybe it's a, I don't know, a team that we love. But the point is, is that we pursue the things that we love. And, and the things that are important to us, and so how do we know what those things are? How do we determine, okay, well, what, what are some things that I'm pursuing? What are some things that I love? Well, the things that are important to us, we, we make time for things that are important to us. So where, where is it that we're spending our time? Well, we're spending your time in a place that you love with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like those are, those are things that we're doing. That we sacrifice, we sacrifice for things that we love with all our heart. We, we invest our money in things that we love with everything. So you start just asking these questions and start looking at things. We, we defend the things that we love. I'm just telling you, you say something about my wife, we got a problem. Amen. You say something about my kids, it's not going to go well. Yeah. Right? We defend, the things that we, we defend the things that we love. And sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes, it's, sometimes it, can be, you know, it can be sin in our life. Like we begin to defend that because we want to protect it. Because we, like, we love it. We care, we care about it. And what God is calling us to do here is he's calling us to be all in on our love for God the same way that we're all in on our love for things in this world. And so we're to love him with all our heart. That we should, we should carve out time for him. We should sacrifice for him. We should invest in him. We should invest our money in kingdom things. We should defend him at any cost. Like it, it, this, is, this is what he's calling us to, to do. And so, and, and the truth is, is it's the same when it comes to, uh, it's the same when it comes to loving others. Listen, in verse 31, listen, he continues. He says, the second is this. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, Jesus does not make the statement, hey, love your neighbor with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He doesn't have to because you know what he does say? Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And guess what we do? We love ourselves. Like, and nobody has to convince us to love ourselves. I promise you right now, maybe not right this second, but at some point in time uh, during service in the preschool area, there's, there's some child crying, maybe yours, because they had something and another child decided, I want that. I'm going to take that because that's going to make me happy. I am going to look out for number one, and I don't care how it affects you. When we leave here, I mentioned we're going to, uh, the graduates will go over and their families. Well, we've got, uh, we got food set up, and like we're, we're going to have this big celebration. Um, but we had to hire armed guards to stand at the door. <laughs> Not really. But we do have people standing at the door holding back all the teenagers so that the graduates and their families can come in there first. You know why? If you spent any time around teenagers, there's two things they love more than anything. No, three things. I'll give you three things. They love to eat, they love to sleep, and they love their friends. Okay? And so what would happen is, is if we just said, hey, y'all go on in there, you know what would happen to all that food? It would be destroyed before any graduates or family members of a graduate get in there. Like that, that's what would happen. Why? Because we love ourselves. We want the best seat. We want the biggest slice of pizza. We want, right? We, we, we're always, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional about this, like we're always looking out for, for number one. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, we are not the focus. That, that God is the focus and people are the focus. And the way in which we love them is extremely important. And this goes against the very nature of everything within us and so that's why he makes the statement in other places in scripture he's like you're gonna have to take up your cross you're gonna have to crucify your flesh because this this is hard for us this is hard but this is what we're this is what we're called to do and then when we love God with all our heart we begin to love the things that he loves and you know what God loves he loves people. He loves people. And we're called to love people, not just anyway, but the way in which he loves them. And so we love them and we pursue them and we sacrifice for them and we invest our time and our money in them. We serve them and not half-heartedly, not half-heartedly. You know, when we were studying through 1 Corinthians, um, we came to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and there's this image that Paul gives us that I think illustrates this, illustrates this well. And he makes this statement in, in, in chapter 9, verse 24. He says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. And there's this imagery. And, and I think the problem is is so many people in, in the church are um, just content to be in the race and not running to win the prize. We're, 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 not, uh, we're not trying to, to run in a way to win the prize. We're just happy if we complete, right? And so what he's calling us to is something different. You know what he's calling us to? To, to be all in on this thing. 
to be all in on God and to be all in on people and to run as if to win the, to win the prize. And so what he's saying is we're to be all in everywhere we go in every season of life. We are to be all in everywhere we go in every season of life. And I feel like so often, uh, I know this is true. It's been true for me in seasons of my life. I know it's true for many. And there, like, there are these times where we just, if we're just being honest, like we're just trying to survive. You know what I mean? Like whether you have small kids or whether you have kids that just graduated or whether you have grandkids or whether, you, you know, and so we're going through life and we find ourselves just trying to survive. And so if we're just trying to survive to the next season, to the next thing, to the, and then the problem is, is we get there and then guess what? We're just trying to survive again. And so what Jesus is saying is like, hey, you're to love me with everything that you are. You're to love people with everything that you are. So no matter what season, no matter where you go, no matter where you find yourself, you're to do, you're to do this. And then he destroys any idea of compartmentalization. And, and this is important because this is, I think this is part of the problem. I think that we live in a world where it's like we have one, we have this one focus. And so, um, you know, we have this one focus when we come to church. So when we come to church, our focus is to, is to worship, right? Or to serve God or however, you know, like it's, it's to do this thing. And then we leave uh, church and so for students you know maybe they go to school and then when they're at school they have uh, they have this one focus and so maybe it's a you know maybe they play sports and that's their one focus or maybe they're really good in school and like they're really trying to excel in their grades or maybe they're really good in like just you know friends like they just want to give all invest everything in being liked and having fun with their friends or you know what I mean but like and every one of the students that graduated now a couple of them for we didn't talk about what to wear today they didn't have all their stuff but I mean every one of them finished at the top of their class but is their focus simply to to graduate at the top of their class or maybe for us in the room it's like okay well you know Maybe, all right, so when I go to job, my focus is to excel in my, in my career. And so, like, when I go there, and so we have our focus when we're, at, you know, when we're at, at church, and we have our focus when we're at work, and then we have this focus when we enter, you know, we have these relationships, and what are we going to focus on there? And then we also have the whole, uh, we have the compartment of social media, and, like, when we're on social media, we have a totally different focus, but that is not connected to my church focus, Right, and so and so we have all these different compartments, and so and, you know, thinking about teenagers, thinking about student ministry, it's like, okay, well, you know, I think one of the problems for for graduates when they leave, they think, okay, well, I've got my teenage years, and when I'm in my teenage years, I'm going to be involved in student ministry, and then when I go off to college, then I've got this new compartment, right, and I'm going to do this new thing at college, and and you see how this problem of compartmentalization, if we're not careful. We'll, we'll mess it up. And what God is saying here is what Je the point that Jesus is making is like there are no compartments. There, like there's no compartments. Wherever we go, whoever we're with, it's for the sake of the gospel. So when you go to your work, you may be getting a paycheck, but that's a byproduct. That's a secondary issue. Your goal is to shine. Your goal is to be all in on God and all in on the people around you. Like you're... Your primary concern is glorifying God. It's the gospel. It's the people around you that he's placed in your life. That is your, 
That is your primary focus when you go to work, not climbing the corporate ladder. And so graduates, when you go off to school, you're going to be doing a lot of different things, but understand that your faith bleeds into everything that you're going to be doing. And that's true for every single one of us in the room. We've got to begin to to see the world and people the way that God sees them and understand people's need for, for Christ and enter into their experiences and to love them and to walk with them and to encourage them and not to compartmentalize. And the truth is, is we'll never live the abundant life that God has called us to. We'll never run with everything that we are. We'll never be all in if we continue to have this idea of just compartmentalizing all these different areas in my life. And so we're to be like, I mean, the the image here is that we would be like our father. And here's who God is. He's not a God who's holding back. He's all in. Listen to what Listen to what we find in Romans chapter 8. Scripture says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He's all in. He's all in. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. How? According to our standards, is according to what we, the way in which we define love? No. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. God didn't hold back. He's all in. He was all in when he created the world in which we live. When we messed it up and sin entered the world... He was all in in making a way for lost sinners to have a way to return to him. He was all in when he took the most prized possession in his life, his, his very own son, and he slaughtered him so that we could come to faith. Like he's, he's all in. He's all in when he created you. He's all in when he created your children. He's all in when he created the person sitting next to you. Like he's, he's all in. Like you don't have to look very far to realize that he's all in. And, and again, the most the most realistic picture of that is Jesus on the cross as he was slaughtered for for mankind like God is all in and so what he wants from us is like and not from us I said that completely wrong you know what he wants for us because this is where the abundant life is he wants us to be all in he's not trying to take something from us he has something better for us and that's what he's calling us to and so whenever we're having this discussion of being all in like it is for It's for our good and ultimately for his glory that we would live lives where we don't hold back. Where we don't hold back. That we would be like him. And not only only does God uh, not hold back, but just as we, we mentioned earlier, that God is ascending God. That's who God is. He's ascending God. Again, He sent Jesus. He saw our need and he sent his son. And guess what? He's sending you. He's sending you. Psalm 127 says, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. So, um, you know, when we do child dedication, we 
give parents these plaques with arrows on it. When students graduate from high school, uh, there's a, they'll be receiving over in the student building here in a minute. You can pull that picture up. They'll each be receiving a, an arrow with their name on it so that they can take this and they can display it whether they're going off to college or whatever it is. They can display it in their room and it's a constant reminder that God is ascending God and that we don't go to these places and do these things for our own desire or our own glory, but we do it for His glory, that God is sending me here to make a kingdom impact and He's called me to be all in. And so it just so happens that this is the season of life that we find ourselves in as you go off to college, but every single one of us in this room we all have an arrow with a name on it, with our name on it. And so God is, God is a sending God. Jesus makes the, he makes the statement, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And so he's sending us out into the world to be all in on him and all in on the people around us. Not half-heartedly. Not half-heartedly. It's a tremendous opportunity that we get each and every day. Each and every day. Let's quit holding back.